excited to share with you guys this message today. It is uh, entitled Life-Giving Power, found in Jesus. We are in a series that's talking about the transformative power that comes in Jesus, right? And it's through the book of Matthew. And Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus. And what Matthew did in, in his discipleship was he, he wanted to, he wrote this, this gospel, this, this story, this narrative, this, this good news. He was documenting this for a specific group of people. He was documenting this for Jewish believers. He was showing them, hey, look, the one that you've been waiting for for all these years, the one that's been promised to you for hundreds of years, the one that you have been dedicating, preparing yourself for, he has arrived, and he is Jesus. And he writes in this uh, gospel um, evidences to show this, that Jesus didn't just come here on earth to demonstrate power for the sake of doing power. He came and he demonstrated this power to show that there is Reason behind it, Jesus healed, we see in chapter 8 or chapter 7, Jesus healed the leper. He healed a centurion slave from afar. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed people. He had power over the physical ailments of life. You know what I was trying to say? Matthew's trying to tell this Jesus, this one in whom you are, uh, this Messiah, this one you've been waiting for, he has this power over the physical realm. But even more than that, he has power over the natural realm. Matthew Dick shares a, a, a scene when Jesus calmed the storm, rebukes it even, that nature would abide and listen to this God, to this man. And on top of that, not just the physical realm, not just the natural realm, but also the spiritual realm. And a place was deep inside where there's sickness and darkness, Jesus has the power to cast out demons, to, to deliver men and women from these issues, these illnesses that, that plagues them from the inside. And ultimately, we see that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And what Matthew was saying about Jesus is very simple. Jesus is God. If you have power over physical, nature, spiritual, the power to forgive the one thing that only God can forgive, sin itself, you, this person is God. He is God. He is the creator. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow him? Because, there's, again, there's only two options you have when you encounter Jesus. The only two options. One, you completely know who he is and you reject him. Or two, you know who he is and you bow down and you give your life to him. You bend your will to his. Only two options. Both are full of integrity. If you know who he is and yet still reject him, that at least is still integrity. But to know him, to know about him, to understand him up here and not develop and give your life to him, that, that is hypocrisy. All right? But Matthew, to continue this, just to put the nail in the coffin, he's going to show that Jesus is going to have power over one more element. One element more. And that element is death itself. Matthew is going to show that Jesus has power over even death. Let me share with you this story before I get into this passage. All right? It's called The Appointment in Samaria. I'm sure a lot of you guys know this story. It's a very quick story, but it's a, it's a story about just... You can't outrun death, okay? Let me read it to you. There was a merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant to the market to buy provisions. And in a little while, the servant came back, white and trembling. 
and said, Master, just now when I was in the marketplace, I was jostled by a man in the crowd. And when I turned, I saw it was death that jostled me. He looked at me and made a threatening gesture. Now lend me your horse, and I will ride away from the city and avoid my fate. I will go to Samara, and there death will not find me. So the merchant lent him his horse, and the servant mounted it, and he dug his spurs in his flank, and as, the, and as fast as the horse could gallop, he went. Then the merchant went down to the marketplace, and he saw me standing in the crowd, and he, said, he came to the death and said, Why did you make a threatening gesture to my servant when you saw him this morning? And death said, That was not a threatening gesture. I said it was only a start of surprise, for I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for I had an appointment with him tonight in Samara. The point of this really quick story was you cannot outrun death. I know we're a young crowd, some of us, right, and we think that we can probably live forever. And we don't have this kind of urgency or even that helpless or hopeless feeling when death is there. We think we can outlive it. We think we have plenty of time. We think we have at least five or six decades more to deal with this. Let's put it in the back of our mind. But today I want to share with you, death is coming. It's something you cannot avoid. It's something that you cannot hide from. It's something that you cannot run from. Death is inevitable. It will meet you. It will find you. Young or old, and knock on wood, I pray that it will not meet you today. I pray that it will not meet you tomorrow. I pray that it will not meet your children anytime soon. But death ultimately will find you. And the question on that day when death finds you, are you going to meet him as an executioner or are you going to meet him as a gardener? On the day that death finds you, will you meet him as an executioner or will you meet him as a gardener? Let me explain what I mean by that through this passage we're about to learn. Okay? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read verses 18 and 19 first. First thing I want you to understand is death, it renders you helpless. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter how equipped, how well off, how much money you have. It does not matter how strong, how weak you are. Death ultimately renders you helpless. Verse 18 and verse 19, chapter 9. And while Jesus was saying all these things, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Now some of you guys, when you read this, I go, what's so special about this? Let me understand. Let me, let me explain to you why death renders us helpless. This ruler that you see depicted here, we know who this ruler is. In the Gospel of Mark and Luke, they told us who this ruler is. His name is Jairus. Now, why didn't Matthew mention his name? Because Matthew wasn't interviewing these guys. Matthew wasn't trying to tell people how well documented these things were, how real these people were. Matthew was simply trying to prove one thing. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And he was, he was doing that to the Jewish people. But Luke, Luke, Luke wanted to document this. Luke wanted to interview everyone that Jesus encountered. And so Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke found this guy. His name was Jairus. Now, who was this guy? Who was Jairus? He was a chief ruler in the synagogue. What's so special about that? Back in the days when the Jewish people were exiled out of the nation, Right? They were all over these places. They, they, weren't, they didn't have a place to worship anymore because they were kicked out of their land. Their temple was not with them. 
And so wherever they went, they set up these things called a synagogue. And in the synagogue is where they would gather together as a people to worship, to learn, to grow, to uh, administer justice, to do these things at the synagogue. And every synagogue has ten rulers in it to watch and to govern over the people. Now why is this significant? Because the very people who were in the synagogues two chapters ago were looking at Jesus and they were saying, he's a blasphemer. Kick this guy out. They ran him out of the city. Do you know why? Because he subverted their authority. He stepped in and people were listening to Jesus. They didn't like that he had power. They didn't like that he was doing these things. So they were calling him all these names. They were calling him blasphemer. They were ridiculing him. They were critiquing him. They were just pushing him down because this nobody, this carpenter from Nazareth, dares to show up and overreach his power in my city. So synagogue rulers did not like this. They did not appreciate this. And so they pushed him out. But here's the crazy part. Death came for this ruler. Not for him, but for his daughter. And you know what happens when death comes? You can puff your chest and think you're all that. You can be prideful and run the city, run your state, use all your power. But eventually when death comes to you, you find yourself absolutely helpless. And that's what I want you guys to understand today. I want you to realize how helpless you are. See, this man, the moment he realized his daughter is dead, the pain and the hurt and the, 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 uh, the, the gut-wrenching emotions that he must have felt to make him to turn to one person that he kicked out, one person that he looked down upon, one person that he thought had no power. He was so helpless that he would go anywhere to look for help. And he went to the one in whom he criticized, critiqued, point fingers, cast out, blamed. That's how helpless he was. Power meant nothing because power can't bring his daughter back to life. Money meant nothing because money can't bring his daughter back to life. None of those things can. When death comes, it comes. And I think we can understand his, his, um, his, 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 his state of mind at this point. Can't we? Matthew wrote this down so that it shows us the reality of the human heart. This past year, we've been faced with a lot of death, haven't we? We hear heartbreaking stories of patients in the hospital dying from COVID, begging doctors to give them the vaccine now. Begging the doctors. Regretting, helpless, thinking, why didn't I just take it? The very thing that I vehemently rejected, they're begging for it now. Because they realized when they were healthy and puffed up, everything was okay. Everything was great. But you don't know when death comes to you. You don't know what form death comes to you in. But when death comes to you, you are utterly, absolutely helpless. Do you understand that? Do you realize that? Come to realize that, church, because I know you're young, and I know it's hard for you to even imagine that. But see a person on their deathbed and watch their utter, utter pain and hurt knowing that they're about to die and breathe their last breath. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we are destined to die once and face God's judgment. And on that day when we stand before God, we will be helpless. We will be helpless because death comes to us all. And the question on that day is very simple. 
begging for God's forgiveness on that day, and God will say, do you know my son? Did you meet with my son? Because if you have not, then death is your executioner. But if you have, then death is your gardener. It can only make you better. See, my prayer, church, is that when you face that day, you will not be on your sickbed thinking to yourself, oh, man, why can't I just receive it? Why can't I just receive the healing pill from my God when it was given to me? Why can't I receive it? Why did I puff up my chest in pride thinking that I can control my life, that I have power over this stuff, that I can actually overcome death? Why did I act that way? Why was I so arrogant? Why was I so bratty? I pray that that day you recognize, even before that, that death renders you helpless. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care how big, how small. That has no bearings when death comes looking for you. The only thing that can happen when death comes looking is two questions. Is he the executioner or is he my gardener? Look, let's keep going. So death renders us helpless. Do you realize that? You're going to die. Verse 23-24. And when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. See, death, death reveals the reality of a life with him and a life without him. Death's reality with or without Jesus. See, all those people who were there at the house, you know what they were doing? They were mourning. They were professional people back then. If you're, someone died in your home, they would actually hire you to mourn for your family, to cry out for them. And there were people there crying out for this young girl because she passed away. And there was flute players there playing the flute for this young girl because she was dead. See, death's reality for most people if you don't believe in God whatsoever, if you're out there and you're like, I, I really don't have this whole God thing down. I don't, I don't really, I don't, have a, I, I don't have a thing with God, but I don't have a thing against God. I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm passive, I'm, I'm agnostic, or I just, I just don't think God exists. Can I tell you what death means for you? What's death's reality for you? Death's reality for you is finality. See, if you're an atheist, death destroys all thoughts of meaning you think you have in your life. Let me ask you a question. Think about this for a second. Death in your eyes, if you're, if you're a person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't have any idea with God or care for God whatsoever, death in your eyes tells you there's nothing. Death tells you that everything you do here ultimately has no meaning. If you have any integrity of your life, any intellectual integrity, think about this. If you believe there is no God, then life has no meaning because life is an accident. Isn't it? Brought together by a bunch of cells, brought together through time, there you are. Life is an accident. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. And death is the finality of that all. Would you know what that means also? That love, whatever love you have, has no meaning. Love isn't even real. Love is just this mechanism for survival, for the procreation of your genes. It has no purpose. 
more than that. The sense of wanting to be with somebody. The sense of wanting to connect to somebody. Love ultimately has no meaning. What you do will have no meaning because no one will remember you. Your life will not make any difference. There is no legacy. What, what, what's the point of it? The sun will burn out. The stars will diminish. The universe will stop. And then that day when everything burns out, nothing you have done will matter. If there is no God, death is your finality. Death is it. There is no purpose, no meaning, no reason to live. But here's the part where you lie to yourself. You guys ready? You live as if there's meaning. You create meaning. You who believe there is no God, you lie to yourself. You live as if there is meaning when you know in your mind that when death comes, it means absolutely nothing. You lack integrity in this area. If death is the finality of life and there is no God, then everything you do has no meaning. So if you're really honest with yourself, you can only hold on to this idea that there is no God if you do what? If you lie to yourself. Don't you guys hate liars? Don't you guys hate people who say one thing but live another? And yet you yourself are guilty of that very thing if there is no God. Death has that ability to bring this reality to mind. These flute players, these mourners, they saw this girl's death as it. She's gone. But here's the thing too. It's not just for non-believers. If you're religious, if you're religious, check this out. If you're religious, death is still your executioner too. Do you know why? Because you have no way of dealing with the fear of death. Death in your eyes makes you anxious. It makes you afraid because you're wondering, you're wondering, did I build enough capita to make it? Did I live a good enough life to make it? Was I kind enough to make it? Was I generous enough to make it? Was I faithful enough to make it? You live your whole life in fear because you do not know if you built up enough capita to get through the gates of heaven. And if you're a religious person, death, death brings fear. You don't know. But can I tell you something? That's death without Jesus. But death with Jesus, death with Jesus means that you're facing your gardener, not your executioner. You know why? Because the only one who has authority over death itself is the one who overcame death. You follow me? So you can't, you, can't, you can't point yourself at any other place or any other person until you find out, does this person have authority over death to be speaking to me like this? Look what Jesus does. After he says the girl is sleeping because for Jesus, death was not final. To him, this girl was just it is a nap to wake up to something more. Death was not final. Death is a transition. And this is what he says. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, verse 25, and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. And news of this spread throughout all that region. He brought her back from the dead. See, the only person 
The only thing that can help you in the face of death is the one who can defeat death. The only one who can help you in the bedside of your dying family at the helplessness of their life is the one who can actually defeat death. Do you know him? See, death is too strong of an enemy to overcome. No matter how much you wrestle with him, death will beat you. You know, you know no matter how much you live in self-denial, he will come and knock on your door. No matter how much you think that you can make it in this life, nothing's going to happen to you. He will come and knock on your door and know this, he is coming for you. For the day you took your first breath, you begin to die. King David said this, there's a few steps between me and death itself. Within a hundred years, not any of us will be around here. Within a hundred years, no one will remember us. Within a hundred years, all of our hopes will be crushed. All of our memories will be erased. And not only is death coming, we know it's coming. And you do everything within your power to push it out of your thoughts, but he's coming and there's nothing you can do. That's reality. Can you be real for a moment? Can you, can you take a moment to think about that? Death is coming for you. Sooner or later. You may think you're going to live forever. One day you're healthy, next day you're gone. What do people always say about people who commit suicide for mental illness? They look fine. They look great. They looked happy yesterday. And yet some moment, next day, they're gone. Death comes for everybody. Doesn't matter what facade you put on, doesn't matter how strong you are, when death comes, he comes. But there is one who has faced death head on. There is one who went into death's stronghold and defeated him. There is one who has the authority to speak about the living and the dead. He is the only one who has the authority to tell us the way through it. He is the only one who has rendered that great executioner into nothing more than a gardener. His name is Jesus Christ. Have you known him? Do you know him? He bore the sins of the world. He died upon the cross. He paid the very thing that was the cause of your death. And on the third day, the Father raised him up from the dead. Why am I a Christian? Why do I follow after this Jesus? Why aren't I religious? Why aren't I any other faith? Because nothing out there, no one out there, no faith, no creed, no philosophy, nothing has ever taught me that somebody can come back from the dead except for this man. Jesus Christ. Death is coming for us whether we like it or not. And the real question you have to ask yourself, is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he really who he says he is? Did he really come back from the dead? Are there enough evidence out there to show it? And the answer is yes. Yes. The burial of Jesus the empty tomb, the post-mortem witnesses from people who saw him, the spread of Christianity like wildfire because they believe Jesus came back from the dead. All of these point to one thing. Jesus is alive. He is who he says he is. He has defeated death, and he is the only one that can lead you through it. 
Oh, death, the Bible says, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Sin, where is your power? You, oh, death, who have devoured nations, you will devour them no more because Jesus Christ is my Lord. And he has beaten you. And he has overcome you. The gospel is great news. Why would you live a life with no meaning? Why would you live a life lying about a meaning? Why would you live a life that will fall apart? Why would you allow yourself to be swallowed up by death? Why don't you come to Christ? Why don't you let the power of the living God be in your life? The transforming power of the living God be a part of you. And you may say, that's too easy, Tony. It's too good to be true. It is true. It is true. That's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes it so simple and yet so glorious at the same time. That there is a God who loves you, who has overcome death for you, who has came back from the dead to show you, you have the ability to face death no longer as, as an executioner, but to see him as a gardener. That death only plants you to raise you up again. That's all death can do to those who follow after the one who has defeated death. You see, Jesus has power over the dead. And my prayer is this, church. I don't want you guys to waste another 50, 60 years thinking to yourself, you know, I got time. I don't know. And I pray, I pray with all my heart that I don't see you guys. I don't, that I don't have to do your, I pray that I die before I do your funerals. I, like, I go to funerals and I get so sad. Like, I... I, would, I kept thinking to my pastor, to Pastor Lynn, I like, Pastor Lynn, how do you do all these funerals? Like, how do you actually do these funerals? Like, I, like people you know, like, well, know, know really well. I said, man. And I think to myself, you know what, in about 30 years, 20 years maybe, I'm going to start doing funerals. No more weddings, right? Just funerals now. It's sad. I was like, I sh Lord, just take me before that happens. I, I'm just, I'm being selfish. I don't want to do their funerals. Especially if they don't know you. See, if they know you, they're not lost. Lost is something you can't find, right? But if they know you, if they know you, then they're just in a different place. And I'll see them again. But if they don't know you, man, do you understand that death will render you helpless. Either today, tomorrow, a disease will hit you, a car will hit you, something's gonna happen. Do you understand that death's reality in your life? See, if you don't know God, death, death should tell you how you should be living now. You have no purpose. There is no meaning to your life. Why are you living a lie? If you're religious and you don't know Jesus and you go through this whole entire, you know, religiosity, you should be scared because you don't know if you're going to make it. That's why the gospel is such good news. It tells us what? It tells us that Jesus faced death, overcame it. That if you know him, if you know him, death no longer is your executioner but your gardener. Let's pray.